Hello, and welcome back to the People Analytics Podcast. As always, I'm the host, Sean Boyce, and the founder of Staff Geek. Today on the show, I have a great friend of mine and expert in all things HR in Beth Perkins, who is the Director of People and Culture at O3World. Hello, Beth. How are you? And thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Sean. I'm well. I'm well. How are you today? Doing very well. And I'm very excited to have a legend such as yourself, especially in the <laughs> greater Philadelphia HR space uh, on the show. Oh, I feel like you're setting your audience up for disappointment. <laughs> how about that? I've spoken to you about this stuff before, and I know you're extremely knowledgeable. So without further ado, let's kind of dive in here. Uh, feel free to kind of give uh, the audience members and uh, those that are listening kind of a refresher on what O3World is. But after that, we'd love to hear more about how the hiring process works in O3World, because one of the things to tune into to listen about from this show is learning from experts like yourself and how your hiring process works and what they can learn from you. Yeah, absolutely. So O3World is a digital product agency. Um, and what that means is essentially that we solve problems for our clients' customers using technology. So that could be a chatbot, it could be an application, a website, digital transformation, AI, machine learning. There's a lot of different technology that we get into, but it's really all about understanding our, our clients, businesses, the challenges that their customers might be facing and using technology to solve for that. Sounds pretty cool to me. It is, it is pretty cool. I'm sure it keeps you guys very interested. So let's talk a little bit then about your hiring process, right? Absolutely. Uh, from what I remember, you're kind of head honcho over there and managing all things hiring at O3 World. So we'd love to learn from you how your hiring process works. Yeah, and actually, I, I, I don't know if this is sort of newer information, but we recently hired a talent engagement manager who is now heading up all of our recruiting. I'm still very much involved in recruiting strategy and candidate experience and all of that, but she's more tactically handling the day-to-day, -day, um, and she's already brought some really great ideas to the team and the way that we do things. Um, very exciting. But I think one thing that really that's really, really important to O3 is that candidate experience. You know, the work that we do for our clients is all about customer experience and our candidates are, we treat them like customers. Um, and so we try to create a really great experience. We're pretty high touch. Um, I have a pretty strict rule that everyone who applies or interacts with us gets a response, even if it's not necessarily the news that they wanted to hear, that they get a response that we make ourselves available to them to provide feedback so that they can improve in future interviews, whether that those future interviews are at O3 or with another company. Um, but my goal is that if you go through any stage of the O3 hiring process, that regardless of the outcome, you walk away saying that was a great experience and you're willing to kind of tell your friends and family, O3 seems like a great place to work, you should apply. I didn't get a job there, but you should apply. Or I did get a job there and you should definitely apply. Um, but to really utilize our candidates, um, give them a great experience, and be able to use them as a, net, a referral network almost. Um, Philly's a small kind of tech community. It's really, really tight-knit. And so if you're not treating your, your candidates like they are your customers, then I feel like that can come back and bite you in the future. You don't want to develop the reputation as a bad employer because you gave somebody a bad experience in their um, interview process. Absolutely. A lot of really valuable stuff to, to unpack there. I would definitely agree with that sentiment from that last statement. I know you've told me some very interesting things about 
been able to connect the dots for other companies it coming back to you guys in spades but because of all of these unique but really impressive processes that you've incorporated into hiring at O3 World in particular, giving each candidate feedback. One of the biggest complaints that we hear about at Staff Geek when we talk to candidates is, I sent my all my information into this like, quote unquote, black hole of the hiring process for this company. I might have been involved in interviewing, maybe I was, maybe I wasn't, but I never got any feedback or I never heard back. And it leaves them like wanting so desperately to want to know one way or the other. So I commend you extremely highly and I know candidates appreciate that tremendously so that you guys are giving them feedback kind of regardless and I hope that other people would kind of take a page out of your book when it came to that yeah yeah I mean and and we can't always give feedback at every stage so if you know if we if we decide not to move forward just based on your resume like your experience isn't a fit for the job that we're hiring for at the moment we don't always provide detailed feedback on that but if a candidate responds to the for, you know our letter saying Thank you for applying. It's not a fit at this time. We'll keep you in mind for the future. The candidate responds and says, can you tell me more? We always will. So the feedback isn't baked into every stage of the process. Um, but if a candidate asks, we'll always give it. And once you've come and met with us in person, we always include proactive feedback in that follow-up. Excellent. I love it. Another thing you mentioned too, which I want to draw attention to, is this concept of candidate experience. But you mentioned candidate experience. I think that is awesome. I also love the, the fact that you tied that to what the company itself does in offering, right, improving customer experience kind of a thing. So kind of like, this is what we sell. We should certainly firmly believe in it ourselves. So let's make that pretty consistent through the organization. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you hear the phrase in tech all the time, we eat our own dog food. Um, and I think That's this what is I was cool. say. an example of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not us using a ne necessarily a physical product that we've developed, but it is applying our philosophy across every aspect of our business. I love it. Great stuff. Absolutely. So let's shift gears a little bit and kind of get into the core focus of this show, right? The title of the show being People Analytics. I love to hear from you what your thoughts are in and around all things people analytics and maybe learn a little bit about how, you know, what you're doing at O3 World to incorporate data and analytics into all things people process. Yeah, this is actually good timing because I've been having a lot of conversations with our talent engagement manager recently about this, really taking a look at what we currently measure and what it's telling us and then what we want to know and how we can measure to get to that information. Um, so we actually had a big meeting last week where we talked analytics and data for like two hours. Um, and some of the things we pulled out is, you know, okay, so everyone measures time to hire. That's a super common recruiting metric. But as we started to unpack that metric, we're like, well, is it from the time we post a role to the time someone accepts an offer? Is it from the time we know we need to post a role to the time someone shows up on their first day? Is it the time from application to offer? There's a lot of really different ways that I've seen companies slice and dice the time to hire. So what we ended up doing was breaking it out to say, okay, what do we wanna know and what measurements will tell us that? So one, one measurement that we wanted to look at is sort of the efficiencies of our process, right? Are there bottlenecks places that we could be optimizing for and how do we see those? So we're looking at time to post as a new metric. So the time a hiring manager says, we need to hire a new project manager to the time that actually is up on our site. Is that three days? Is it two weeks? 
And what does that tell us about our process for posting roles? Um, we're looking at um, one metric around that we think will kind of give us a little bit of a sense of our brand awareness. So we have a continual effort to grow brand awareness in Philly specifically, but also outside of Philly. Um, and one thing we're looking at is we're looking at um, our source metrics. So where are our candidates coming from? So if they're, are they meeting us at events? Are they coming through our employees? Is our, our grassroots marketing efforts having an impact and gaining traction? Or are they all coming from Indeed? Um, so looking at that to kind of measure a little bit around our brand awareness in the community. Um, we're also looking at time spent in each stage of the process. Like, are people getting stuck where they are? Are people, are we waiting for hiring managers to submit feedback so we can move people forward or out of the process? And are people lingering at an interview stage for days, weeks, hopefully not months? Um, and what can we do about that? So we're trying to, rather than just looking at time to hire, which is something that we look at, we're also looking at all of these sort of mini metrics within that hiring funnel that can give us some other interesting insights. You definitely speak in my language. This is so cool. <laughs> I, I could talk about this specifically with you all day. <laughs> Because like you said, everyone is paying very close, very close attention to so-called time to hire, right? Or, but essentially, like, what does that mean? Unpacking that a little bit further, there's a bunch of steps in that process, and that's what you guys are doing. So if you want someone else to just be like a fly on the wall, feel free to add me to those conference calls because I <laughs> what you guys are talking about. Right? We talk about it all the time at Staff Geek, and I love the fact that you're breaking it down. Do you have any kind of early insights to share based on what you've learned so far or is this something that's brand new for you guys it's something that's it's something that's so new that we don't have any real insights yet but i'm definitely excited to continue to track this closely over the course of 2020 to set some benchmarks of where we are and then 2021 will be our you know kind of delving into okay how do we improve and what initiatives are going to get us there and I would say it makes for a fantastic reason to do an update episode with the People Analytics <laughs> podcast powered by Staff Geek. Absolutely. <laughs> Not to do a uh, shameless uh, self-plug there, but I felt like it made sense. So, excellent. Please keep me posted on that. I'm seriously curious. I can't wait to hear what those yeah, are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, that's very interesting. All right. Now, let's shift gears again and talk a little bit about, right, you have a ton of experience in HR. Uh, you've done it. Uh, cross industry for multiple organizations, that kind of a thing. What is the best advice or best tip or tips that you have for HR professionals? Maybe when it specifically comes to hiring, but it doesn't need to be limited to hiring. It can be, you know, anything people analytics, but what would, what would you share with them regarding that? I mean, I think one of the most important things about hiring is to just always keep that um, customer experience mentality in the hiring process. I've been, I mean, I started my career purely in recruiting and did that for many years. So I understand the kind of pressure that talent acquisition gets internally to fill a role and move faster and fill the pipeline, get me as many candidates as possible. Um, that's all well and good, but if you're not treating your candidates like they are your customers, like they really are important to your business, you're hurting yourself. And the number of times that I've seen candidates sort of come back around after having a great experience and not getting the job to then come back around a year, two years, three years later 
and reapply for something and end up getting the job, they would never have reapplied if they had a bad experience that first time. So they're not going to tell their friends good things if they have a bad experience. So you're actually hurting your ability to fill your pipeline and your funnel if you're not being super mindful of the experience that your candidates are having. And this year, we're actually um, talking about implementing a candidate experience survey that would go out to all candidates who interact with O3, whether you know whether you apply and your resume is not a fit and you get a form letter, or you go all the way through the entire interview process. That whenever you're no longer a part of the process, that you would receive a survey a week or two later, so that we could connect your uh, collect your anonymous candid feedback about what that experience was like to be able to continue to evolve and, and make it better. That's exciting. So talk to me about that for a second. What type of questions would you want to ask as part of a candidate experience survey? Yeah, so we've been, we're, that's kind of where we are right now is figuring out what kind of questions we want to ask. Um, where we are right now, we don't have it fully fleshed out, but that there would be slightly different questions depending on where in the funnel, like how far into the funnel you actually got as a candidate. Because if you only have the experience of applying online and getting a form rejection, we still want to know what that experience was like, but we don't need to ask you all of the questions that we might ask to someone who got very, very close to an offer but was edged out by another candidate. And so to kind of come up with, um, funnel specific questions to make sure that, you know, finding the, finding our careers page, what was that experience like, you know, should, is there anything we can optimize there? Um, what was the application experience like all the way to what was the experience of walking in our front door? Was our office easy to find? You know, did you know where to go when you opened that door? Were your interviewers on time? Were they focused or were they looking at their phones and their computers? Um, did they ask you questions that you felt would pull out the right information for us to make a good decision? Um, all things like that. And then I think maybe some sort of a candidate NPS score um, of like, how likely are you to recommend, based on your experience interviewing, how likely are you to recommend O3 as a place for your friends or family to apply? Um, just to see if we're getting that brand ambassadorship from the people that are coming through our process or not. Excellent. I really like this focus on the candidate experience. I think it can only help you guys going forward, right? Taking that long-term approach. And you mentioned that with all your experience in talent acquisition previously, in that it can be very short-term goal-oriented. But then, like you've mentioned before, being in a you know part of a, a close-knit tech community, word can travel. So if people are gonna have experiences over time and they're gonna share that with others. If they had a largely positive experience, I mean, that's what you guys want, right? You're building that, you wanna be that brand ambassador. So I love the fact that you're taking these data points at different points in the process to find out, right, how do I best improve what we're doing today so that it can be better in the future and going forward. Exactly. Yeah, because I mean, no matter what city you live in, I'm sure every listener can connect with the idea that like, you know which companies not to apply to, right? Like, right. oh, in your community, who has the bad reputation of like, oh, I don't work there. Um, we don't, you don't want to be that company. And even if that's where you are right now, like maybe you don't have the best reputation. Um, I think this kind of work on the candidate experience can help to grow that grassroots 
brand ambassadorship among the people who are interacting with your brand to start to turn those tides. Definitely. Couldn't agree more. So share with us as well too, uh, including the audience, where you have all these super cool objectives, missions that you're going to be focusing on now and into the future. What tools do you use that you feel empower you, you know, as a professional in this space that help you along the way to achieve some of these things? When you talked about capturing data, you talked about measuring candidate experience and time to hire, and then um, also um, potentially incorporating some surveys as part of the, you know, measuring that candidate experience. So what tools do you use today? What tools are you interested in using into the future? Like what empowers you to be the best uh, at your work? Definitely. I mean, we're still pretty small. We're right about 50 people. So a lot of a lot of what I've described already, we're going at it in a very sort of scrappy way. Um, you know, we don't have a trillion dollar budget to spend on all of the biggest bells and whistles, um, which there are many that are very exciting in the HR tech space right now. Um, but I mean, if you don't, in the absence of a huge budget, like Google Docs works, right? We use Google Forms to survey people. It's a really easy way, and most organizations are already operating on the Google platform anyways. Um, it's easy, it's free to very affordable. Um, so that's one that's kind of a no-brainer. Like you say, you can't survey your candidates, you can. Um, awesome. Granted, there are tools that make the whole process easier and will automate pieces up for you and draw insights for you. And so you can graduate up into those systems. But in my experience, the best way to get the budget for the big fancy tools is to figure out a way to do it on the cheap and prove value, right? So if you can start going to leadership with these numbers to say, here's how this initiative moved the needle. Here's where we were a year ago, here's where we are now. Then you can start to say, if I had a little bit of budget behind this, I might be able to take it even further, right? But if you have to start somewhere, find like a free scrappy way to collect the data and sometimes that's just a Google form. Um, Absolutely, I love that as an approach. And I was going to say, I could definitely see how you're incorporating what you guys do at O3 World into this process, because it's taking that like lean methodology where you yeah. test it out as quickly and easily as you can, see whether or not it works, and then see whether or not it makes sense to invest in it further, right? Otherwise, go back to the drawing board and tweak it a little bit. Right, because that's the thing is if you don't have a strategy in place already, it doesn't matter how much money you spend on a tool. The tool is not going to build your strategy for you. So sometimes going at it with the kind of, I mean, what we would call an MVP, a minimum viable product of just what's the least we can do or spend, what's the like lowest lift to be able to validate whether or not this is worth doing more of. That's and awesome. Yeah, once you do that, then it's easier to say, it makes sense to spend the budget on this because we know it's worthwhile. And sometimes through that experiment, experiment you might learn like, oh, that actually didn't, that didn't work the way we thought it would. Let's go back to the drawing board and look at our strategy and try again until we figure out exactly what we want to do and how we want to do it and then put more resources behind it. Awesome. Love it. And if I can, I'm going to quote you on that because I love it. You said <laughs> the tool is not going to build the strategy for you. I think that's a big misconception. So I'm glad you mentioned it. Right. Like, oh, here's $10,000. Like do my job for me. Right. Exactly. I wish that was a thing, but unfortunately they gave me the $10,000 to do the job. So I have to figure out the strategy. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's right. That's 
And that is a much more ideal process to follow, I will say. Having been down the right and the wrong road with that kind of an approach, I couldn't back you up potentially any more than I will now. And that is uh, spot on with the way you're going about that. So I love it. Cool. All right. Another question I have is, what's missing from the hiring process? And this doesn't need to be specifically at O3 World. It can be something that you want to incorporate because it's a priority, or it could just be, you know, generically speaking with all your experience in, you know, HR and with people in hiring, right? What would you, if you could change something about it, what's something big, what's that thing that you would change and why? I think transparency is often missing from the hiring process. You know, you, I mean, I managed, you know, I've, I've been on both sides of it, right? Like I've managed the hiring process. I've been in recruiting for a really long time, but I'm also a person who has gotten jobs before. So I know that side of it, of what it feels like to see a job that you're super excited about online and throw in an application. And sometimes you don't even get a confirmation email that your application was received. So you literally have no idea where you stand. Did they get my resume? Did the system crash halfway through? And I'm you know, like you just don't know. And so I think the transparency of getting an email that not only says we received your application, but also take it another step of here's what to expect next, right? I worked for a company years ago where the CEO is a super tiny startup and the CEO crafted this very long email that all candidates would get after um, applying. And it broke down every stage of our hiring process. And it was like, we typically get around 100 applications for each open role. Of those, 20 of them might move to this stage, and of those, five of them are in final interviews, and of those, we only have one hire. And so all that to say, like, you may not get called for an interview because statistics. Um, but just that transparency of, you know, what kind of volume do you as a company experience? Maybe you only get five applications for every open role. That's okay. You know, it doesn't have to be a huge number, but letting people know that they should expect to do some sort of hands-on assignment or a pair program programming exercise or that the whole thing is going to take place via video, you know, whatever information you can give a, to set expectations for the process, I think helps the candidate stay engaged through the process because they're also looking at other jobs. Never assume that yours is the only job they're looking at. And so if they're not super engaged with the process that you put in front of them, but someone else put a better process in front of them, all of a sudden maybe lost them and for no real reason. You know, so I think the transparency of just what the process looks like, what to expect, what the timeline's gonna look like, all of that is missing from so many processes. And it's very free and easy to incorporate more and more of that into your interactions with candidates. And I can tell you from having been on the candidate side numerous times, that is seriously appreciated from the candidate's perspective. Right. It just makes you feel sort of safe. Like you are where you're supposed to be. You know what's happening next and you don't have to stress about it. Definitely. Well, I can't thank you enough, Beth. This is super helpful. A ton of value. Obviously, I always learn something when speaking with you. So thanks so much for being on the show. Before we wrap up, I have two questions for you for both myself and our audience. The first of which is, what resources, if any, would you share with myself and our audience related to all things HR, people, people analytics, that kind of stuff? Yeah, so one I'm actually super excited about because I just found out about it this morning. So this is what I've been doing all morning. Super it's, fresh, hot off the press. Yeah, super fresh, I've been going through all of the <laughs> It's called progression.fyi. 
And it's essentially a huge repository of all of the open source career pathing and planning resources that other companies have put out there. So I'm sure many listeners here have seen like Rent the Runway's open source engineering framework and other companies have put stuff like that out there. This is just dozens and dozens and dozens of companies who are sharing the frameworks of how they think about career progression and leveling and salary banding um, and essentially kind of open sourcing all of that work so that you don't have to start from scratch. I've always been sort of a team of one or when I'm lucky, a team of two. Um, so I, I, I'm very hands-on and if I want something done, I literally have to do it myself. So finding these resources where I'm not staring at a blank page is really, really helpful. So check out progression.fyi. That's a big one that I'm very excited about right now. Awesome. Um, and the other one that I really love is People Geeks Answers. People Geeks is the culture amp sort of community and they had a, they have a Slack community, but after kind of seeing how people were using the Slack community, which was, Hey, I need help solving this very specific problem. Will anyone weigh in? The problem with Slack is that three other people type and like your answer has gone away. Your question has gone away now and no one can see it. So they created more of a kind of like message board forum called People Geeks Answers. It's free to join. Um, you can type in your question and then people can search for questions based on what their areas of expertise are to weigh in and provide answers. If you're asking a question, you can see if anybody else has already asked a similar question and see what answers they got. Um, so that's been, it's a, it's a fun way like to kind of stay engaged with the community globally, provide answers to colleagues across the world and also get answers from them. Awesome. And I, I'm familiar with the People Geek Slack community. It is outstanding. I would, I would second that for sure. And I'm e as eager as anybody to dive into both the People Geeks answers and now progression.fyi because that sounds super cool. I'm yeah. all about the benchmarking component, all about, you know, sharing about what we can learn from one another. And that sounds like a great place to do it. Yeah. And it's just all about moving away from making decisions based on your gut and toward making decisions based on facts and data. Love it. Speaking my language there. I mean, being a geek myself, right? I think it's pretty normal. <laughs> Very cool. Thank you for sharing those. And one that I'll plug since you didn't, but I uh, was, I, you know, definitely should be plugged here is your blog and the writing that you do. Uh, I can't say enough amazing things about the writing that Beth does uh, about all of these topics. They're fantastic. I remember they've been so like, they've stuck with me for so long from years ago. I remember reading multiple of your blog posts and I can still remember like intricate details from those because they were so well written. So I just wanted to do my best to try to make you blush on the show. Oh. <laughs> I think, I think so I'm going to do my best a lot. I'm going to link to those as well too, because I think those are fantastic resources. Great, uh, I appreciate it. Absolutely. And so the last question I have for you is who should reach out to you and how can they get in touch? I mean, I'm happy to talk to anybody who's curious about the tech industry in Philly about HR, recruiting, data analytics, um, candidate experience. I also have a random background. I have a, not random, I have a background in theater. I think the fact that I work in HR is sort of random. Um, <laughs> anybody <laughs> wants to talk about art and performance. Um, cool. I like making new friends and meeting like-minded people and or people who will challenge me. So, excellent. Your game. Good. And how, so how can they, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Um, you can always connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm Bethany Perkins on LinkedIn. 
um, or my email here at O3World is just Beth at O3World.com. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Beth. Thanks for being here on the show today and sharing your knowledge with both myself and the audience. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the People Analytics Podcast powered by StaffGeek. If you or anyone you know is a leader in human resources or talent acquisition and would be interested in being a guest on our show, please reach out to me at sean at staffgeek.com. That's sean, S-E-A-N, at staffgeek, S-T-A-F-F-G-E-E-K.com. We would love to share your valuable knowledge with our audience. At this point, we'd like to take a moment to thank the sponsor of our show, StaffGeek. StaffGeek helps companies hire smarter, increasing retention, and combating turnover, all while reducing time to hire. They do this by creating a customized behavioral assessment around your company's unique culture. Armed with your fit tech assessment, you're able to evaluate which candidates are the right fit for your company's culture. Start hiring smarter today with StaffGeek. If you'd like to learn more, reach out to StaffGeek at hello at staffgeek.com or visit them on the web at staffgeek.com.